Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you give us each week to speak for you and to encourage your people. It's your church, your people. I thank you for the privilege that you give me, Lord, through the anointing of God. And I pray for that holy anointing, that it would flow through me, as I always pray, Lord, your heart through my lips to your people. Bless us as we hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last week I spoke to you about, I believe God is trying to bring us to our greatest moment in life. I believe the sum total of all that has happened to us, good, bad, and indifferent, success and failure, that God is bringing us to a pinnacle, a time, a plateau, so that we can do some great things for God together. And I want to speak to you this morning concerning the walk to Jerusalem, what to expect from here on out as Christians. This walk to Jerusalem would bring Jesus to his greatest moment. And I want to speak to you this morning about his greatest moment. And our walk to Jerusalem will also, I believe, bring us to our greatest moment in life. The book of Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4 reads, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore, listen to the words, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? And let him come near to me. This was a prophecy through the prophet Isaiah about the death of Jesus Christ. How that he would go and walk toward Jerusalem like a flint. He said, I set my face like a flint. A very unusual incident happened in the book of Luke in the New Testament. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 9 and verse 28, It came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. There's not many people that sit down and start to think about their death. There's not too many people who sit down and start to think about the day that they might be dying. But Jesus did that. And he brought three disciples, Peter, James, and John, up to the mountain to let them know that the Son of Man was going to die a cruel death. They were going to smite him. They were going to beat him. And any of us that saw that movie, the Jesus film, years ago, when they started beating him, I had to turn my face because it was so gruesome and I couldn't understand why human beings would do that to the Son of God. Three things are going to be needed in these days that we're living. Three things that Jesus displayed very well. The first one is determination. Without determination, you're going to go nowhere. Determination is resolve. It's purpose. It's fortitude. It's downright grit. It's like playing in a football game. And it's the last quarter. And two minutes are left. And you, and you have to dig in as an offensive lineman. And you know you have to protect your quarterback. It's true grit. You're tired. Your body's in pain. Your legs are wobbly. Your arms are weary. 
Your mind is somewhere else and you're saying, how can I get this done? But you dig down deep on the inside and you know that opposing player cannot cross that line because you have to keep him out. That's the true grit that Jesus had, that determination. It was drive, strength of mind and strength of character. It was steadfastness, tenacity and perseverance. Without determination, you will go nowhere. The second thing that Jesus displayed was courage. And that's bravery. It's nerve. Having nerve. It's valor. It's having the daring audacity to say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what God has called me to. It's resolution and steadfastness. Again, it's perseverance. And then the third thing he had was commitment. Firm commitment. What is commitment? It's a promise. It's a pledge. It's a vow. It's a binding contract that we have with God. It's a a guarantee. It's like in the old days when two men shook hands and said, hey, I'll sell you my horse for this price. And they shook hands. There was no contract. There was no legal uh, words or papers or things like that. Man's word was held accountable. Today, we need determination. We need courage and we need a firm commitment in Christ to do what we have to do in the last day. To raise our families, to have a good marriage, to make sure that our children are free from drugs and all the stuff that's going on in the world. We have to have that determination, courage and commitment. Jesus came to die, not to live. Because that was going to be his greatest moment. He came knowing that his death was going to be imminent. But he came that we might have eternal life. He said in John 12 and 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it bringeth forth much fruit. He said in John 10, 17, Therefore does my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This commandment I have received of my Father. Amen, Lord. He was determined, because he knew what was at stake. He knew that our eternal life was weighing in the balance Amen. if he did not go to the cross. The cross is the most important thing. The blood of Jesus that was shed upon that cross is the most important thing. It's that cross that allows us entry into heaven. It's that cross that's provided forgiveness for our sins and for our soul. It's that cross that gives you the life that you have today in the name of Jesus. Jesus came to do the will of his Father. He said in John 5 and 30, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. He came with a cause. He came with a purpose, and he came with a perseverance. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, if you don't have a cause, you don't have a reason to live, and you don't have a purpose to live, and you don't have a perseverance in your life, you are already dying in your spirit and in your body and in your soul. What drives people? What drives people to get out of bed and go to work in the morning? What drives people to love their partner? What drives people to love their children even when they don't do everything right? What drives people? It's that cause. It's that purpose. It's that perseverance. It's that resolve in their soul that says, I am called to do this. I'm called to be a great mother. I'm called to be a great father. I'm called to be a great employee. I'm called to be a great friend. What's happened to friendship in our world? We've been called to be friends. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Jesus calls us friends. He said in John 6 and 38, For I came down from heaven, 
Not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. We're here to do God's will. Jesus said in John 4.34, he said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Our work is not done until we do his will. Our work is not done until we fulfill our purpose and cause in life. Some people say, well, I'm just this or I'm just that. Never say that. When you were born from your mother's womb, God said you were a gift that was given to the world. So many people minimize themselves. So many people walk around in their operating image thinking they're a piece of junk on the side of the road. Hey, listen, I'm a child of God. Hey, listen, I'm a gift from God. And when you start to see yourself that way, your operating image will change. You will walk into a room and make a difference. I said your words will make a difference. You will have influence and purpose with people. And they'll recognize that you are different. Why? Because God loves you. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Jesus did the will of his father and his father justified him in Isaiah chapter 15 verse 8. He said, he is near that justifieth me. Some people question our stand. Some people question our politics. Some people question our patriotism. Some people question our work ethic. Some people question our Christianity. But I always told people, you don't sign my paycheck and I don't drink coffee with everybody. I used to throw him right off the rail track. People used to look at you sometimes and say, hey, what's wrong with you? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm here to do God's will. I'm here to love people. I'm here to do what God's called me to do in this world. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God will justify you. The Bible says if you will do the will of God, he will justify you and not man. Listen, it says this in Ephesians chapter 6. Not with eye service as men pleases. I don't do God's will to get praise from people. I do God's will to get praise from God. If praise from people follows, that's wonderful. That's gravy on top of your mashed potatoes. But my first object is to get God's praise and to get God's favoritism and to get God's favor in my life. It says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6, but as service of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, not as men pleases, but as God pleases. You can't walk on the road to Jerusalem unless you desire to do God's will and please him. That's the bottom line, my friend. We can't walk on that road unless we do God's will. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9 and verse 28, you say, Pastor, how do we walk that road in these last days? How do we walk that road when we see people violent in the street? How do we walk that road when people come into a restaurant and because of your politics, they try to harass you so that you cannot eat a meal with your family? It's going to take prayer. When Jesus went up to that mountain in Luke chapter 9 and verse 28, he prayed. He prayed. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for his church. He prayed knowing that he was going to decease. He knew that his greatest moment was going to be upon him. It looked like, wow, the devil must have said, we killed Jesus. Look, he's on the cross. But like the old black preacher said, it's Friday, but a Sunday is a coming. You see, they didn't realize what Jesus said. Three days and three nights, but oh, I will wake again. Three days and three nights, I will appear again. Three days and three nights, I will resurrect from the dead. Three days and three nights, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the Son of God. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the bread that's come down from heaven. He shocked the world. I said he shocked the world. Amen. 
He spoke of his death. He spoke of his decease in Luke chapter 9 and verse 31. He spoke of suffering in Luke chapter 9 and verse 22 when he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things. We're going to suffer. We're going to be misunderstood. Some people aren't going to like you. Some people aren't going to like me. But he spoke about his decease. Let me take a minute. What is death? It's an exit. It's a departure. It's a release from bondage. It's a victory. Death is a veil. There's a veil that separates us from this world and the next world, eternal life. Death is a breath. Death is a moment. Death is a heartbeat. Death is a sudden change. Death is a door that opens smoothly to let us in. Death is a fraction of time. Death is a blink of the eye. And death is a step. The prophet said in 1 Samuel 20 and 3, But truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. None of us know the hour or the day that God will take us. None of us will know that moment beforehand for the most part. But we have to be ready. We have to have Christ in our heart. We have to ask God to forgive us of our sins. We have to ask God to come into our life and give us that spirit of divinity and that spirit of deity so that we can walk among other people who will look upon us and say you're different and will say we're different only because of what he did on the cross. Jesus came down from that mountain when he went up there to pray with the reaffirmation of his commitment to die. He came down the mountain and proceeded to walk to Jerusalem with commitment and consecration. We too must come down from the mountain, reaffirming our purpose with commitment and consecration. So many people walk around depressed. Some people say, I'm lonely. Some people say, I have no direction. Some people are saying, life is not worth it. My friend, it is. Life doesn't have to be lonely. Life doesn't have to be an isolated act. Life can be full of purpose and cause. Do we like to stay on the mountain? Oh, yes. When our pockets are full of money and the cupboards are full and we're riding around and seemingly there's no cares in our life, then something happens. We come down from that mountaintop. We like to stay on the mountain. Jesus chose to come down from the mountain after he prayed to his father. He chose to continue even though he prophesied and predicted his own death. Have you been affected by a setback? Have you been affected by sadness, affliction, or pain? Have you been afflicted by a trial or a tribulation? Have you had a setback in your life with sorrow or suffering? Yes, we all have. It's okay to get knocked down. The Bible says that a righteous man will get knocked down seven times. But the Bible also says that it'll get up from the canvas. We haven't received the knockout punch yet, my friend. We haven't received the knockout blow from the enemy, my friend. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the Lord God will raise up a standard against him. I saw God raise up that standard yesterday. Hallelujah. I said, I saw God raise up that standard yesterday. Although a flood came across this country, God rose up a standard because people stood up and said, we will stand for God. We will stand for truth. We will stand for righteousness. We will stand for what's right. Hallelujah. There are going to be setbacks and disappointments. 
the inconveniences of life will taint you sometimes. That's why church is so important. Because we're all going to be tainted. We're all going to have setbacks sometimes. We're all going to go through sorrow. We're all going to go through moments of suffering. But it's so important for us to come together here, especially on Sunday morning Sabbath. And reaffirm our faith in Christ and our friendship in the Lord. And say to each other, I have your back. Listen, I just left a prison system of 21 years. And I want to tell you, people had my back for 21 years as a chaplain. As I walked in and out of that prison, I never was concerned about my safety. I really never had fear to walk into a prison setting knowing that the men and women who wore that great gray uniform would surround me and protect me and watch out for me. I gained a great respect and they became my family. I have tears. I have tears as I've left. It's a great adjustment. It's a great difference in my life. I've never had two Saturdays in a row, back to back off in more than two decades. I've worked every weekend my whole life. I've been on call 24-7 just about my whole life. Never complained. But I love the people I work with. I love the friendships that I made that will be lifelong. I love the people that I rubbed elbows with. I love the jokes and the nicknames. I love the pranks. I love giving people the bump, Billy. Praise God. It's different when you're loved. That's what church is supposed to be. That's what church is supposed to be. We're supposed to have our, each other's backs, especially in setbacks. We've all been to the cemeteries. We've all been to the gravesite. We've all buried our loved ones, our moms and our dads. We've all done that. But what greater feeling to know that you have brothers and sisters that surround you, that say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. I like when they said, we're going to get through this. You don't have to do this by yourself. This is not a Lone Ranger experience. This is an experience that the body of Christ comes together and helps one another and encourages one another. As we look unto Jesus in Hebrews 12 and 2, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sit down at the right hand of God. Amen. Joy going to his death, knowing That's right. that Columbo would have a place in heaven one day. Mm-hmm. Knowing that my family would have a place in heaven one day. Mm-hmm. Knowing that my mom and dad, I will see them again. Because Jesus made a place for them. We must continue to choose Jesus. I said we must continue to choose Jesus. And we must go back to that mountain and pray. And thank God for the mountaintop experiences that we have. You know when our team wins. When our best player hits that home run. When we all get up in the living room and we cheer and we say touchdown. We love that mountaintop. But I played sports a lot of my life. And I learned on the field success and failure. 
I learned winning and losing. And I learned that sometimes you had to come down from the mountain and you got beat. Sometimes by one point, sometimes by one basket, sometimes by one run, sometimes by one touchdown. But you learned and you got back up and you went out the next week with purpose and cause and you said to yourself, my teammates need me. My friends need me. And you came back together and you won. There were times of winning and times of losing. And in this life as a Christian, sometimes we get knocked back. And sometimes we're on the deck and on the floor. But thank God for brothers and sisters that will come and rescue you. Thank God for brothers and sisters that will scoop you up and say, we're not done yet, Pastor. We're not done yet. Thank God that we can set our face like a flint, like Jesus did. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, and it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He didn't back down. He could have called for the legions of angels to come and rescue him. But his walk to Jerusalem was courageous. And my friend, our walk to Jerusalem will also be courageous. Our commitment will be firm and decisive in our hearts. Our walk will become contagious, inspiring others, compelling others, and exciting others to follow Christ with us. When you decide on this type of Christianity, when you decide to take a stand for Christ, opposition will always appear. Never think that when you stand for what's right, when you stand for what's correct and what's just, there's always going to be someone that tries to come and reign on your parade. I call it opposition. Jesus warned us And he said, in Luke chapter 9, verse 52, they sent messages before his face and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was though as it would go to Jerusalem. You know why they didn't receive him? Because they thought he was going to set up his kingdom on earth at that time. Oh, his kingdom is coming, don't you worry. I said, don't you worry, his kingdom is coming. It's coming. My wife and I read on the internet just the other day, the Dead Sea, which is full of salt, and nothing can live in the Dead Sea. Last day prophecy. Fish are now fishing in the Dead Sea in Israel. Think about that. Think about that. The Bible says that the rose would blossom in the desert. Listen, things are happening. Things are happening. You don't have a president just because. You have a president because God Almighty put him up. Because God, in his prophetic ways, has decided at this moment to keep the window of America open for freedom, for family, and for the right to possess guns. Hmm. Let that go out. That'll shock some people. Jesus even told the disciples to buy a sword, especially when they were walking through the town of Jericho. 
We have a right to defend ourselves. We have a right to defend our family. We have a right to defend our children. We have a right to defend our children from perversion. It's our blood. It's our flesh. It's our family. And people look at us and say, what's wrong with you people? Nothing. We believe in freedom of speech. We believe in family. We believe in religion. We believe in the right to bear arms. We believe in our constitution. But most of all, we believe in the King of glory and the King of kings. And his name is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Your journey will always take you closer to Jesus and your heavenly home. The Bible says in Luke 9, 56, For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went into another village. This is while he was going on his way to the cross. This is the road that he chose in those last moments. He chose to continue with purpose and cause. I told my wife, I said, my wife knows me better than anyone except the Lord. I said, I'm not going to be some retiree that puts the television on full blast and watches game shows for the rest of his life. Are oh, you hearing what I'm saying? I look at some, some of these senior citizens and they got the television on all day from morning till night. Lord have mercy, you can't have a phone conversation with somebody in their house without hearing the price is right in the background. Lord have mercy, what's wrong with that? Go behind door number one. I don't want to know. I know what door I'm in. Praise God. Jesus is the door. Hallelujah. I've been in that door. (laughs) The only prize I'm looking to win, praise God, is to be with Jesus. Can't understand how people can watch television all day. Game shows. Jeopardy. What all these shows are. I don't even know the answers to these shows. Get out there and do something. Get out there and go for a walk in the park and greet someone. You know what an effect it has on someone you say good morning to them? Because you know there's a lot of people in this world, no one says good morning to them. They have nobody. And when you say good morning, they look at you and say, I say good morning to everybody. I go in the store and say, how you doing? People look at me. How you doing? Sometimes when I'm down the aisle, I don't know what to buy. I have to ask them. I say, ma'am, can, you ask, can I ask you a question? They look at me like I'm nuts. Is this a better buy than this one? If you, I'm shopping for my wife. Would she buy this or that? They think I've lost my mind. What's wrong with this guy? Do I know you? No, you don't, ma'am. But I'm asking you a question. I need some help. I'm on a shopping spree here. It's on the list, but I don't understand what it is. They think you lost your mind. To be friendly. What's wrong with being friendly? Sometimes I would say greet some people who are a little grumpy in the morning. And I say good morning. And they would say, what's so good about it? Well, I said, let me give you a few things. I said, first of all, you're vertical. Secondly, you're gainfully employed. And third, you're talking to me. Isn't that nice? Good morning. Don't tell me what's so good about it. We're vertical, man. You're gainfully employed. And now you're talking to me. Praise God. Isn't that a good day, sir? Yes, sir. <laughs> you can't lose it, man, just because you get old. That's right. Come on. I said, you, hey, listen, I did do, do a little partying this week. 
I did the pizza and the coconut pie, and, and you know what? Back to training again. Yeah, I got four trees coming down on my property. I'll be out there with that chainsaw and that splitter. Son, get ready. Where are you? Hear what I'm saying? Well, I did a little partying this week. I did a little extra that I don't... But you know what? I enjoyed every moment of it. Praise the Lord. After 21 years, a piece of coconut pie is not going to kill me. After 21 years, uh, we knocked off a whole pizza, just me and my wife. <laughs> did we eat all that? I said, did we eat all that shit? Did we eat all We ate the whole pizza. Was it good? Absolutely. <laughs> I said, sis, was it good? Absolutely. <laughs> There's some things that you could go for here, you know. Just because I'm 70 years old, I ain't going to die and shrivel up somewhere in a rocking chair. Amen. Amen, Rick. You know, me and you are old stock, brother. Sister Linda, we're old stock. They look at it, oh, you keep on going. Yeah, we keep on going. Because we kept on going, you're going. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> because if we didn't go, you wouldn't be. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. <laughs> Isn't that true? Amen. Yeah. Appreciate your mom and your dad. Appreciate people that have gone before you to plow the way so that you can have a better life. Praise God. Let me finish here a little bit. Can you give me a few more moments? When Jesus was walking toward Jerusalem, the Pharisees came. I love Jesus. He said in Luke 13 and 31, the same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod is going to kill you. And Jesus said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox. Oh, I love that. Go tell that fox. Behold, I cast out devils and I do cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I shall be perfected, which means the third day I will die. But in the meantime, I will do the will of my father. Because there's some people that need to be healed. There's some people that need to be touched by the hand of God. He said, nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. Jesus was not afraid. He had no fear. He had a made up mind. No deviation. Determination, courage, and commitment. No delay. He was confirming his walk to Jerusalem. You will find that the walk to Jerusalem will lead you to the needs of others. Yes, sir. It's a great feeling to help other people. Yes, it is. It gives people purpose. Have you noticed in life when you're in a down moment? Have you noticed that when you're in a sad time and you don't really feel like doing anything, somebody knocks on your door, a family member calls, the phone rings and says, I need some help. And you're sitting there and saying, Man, I, I'm depressed today. I'm discouraged. I'm, I don't have nothing. But something on the inside of you says, these people are counting on me. Why would they call me? Why would they phone me? Because they know that they can count on me to do the right thing. And so you get up that seat of depression sometimes. You get up off that seat of discouragement and desolation. And you say, God, why now? Why now? 
You, don't you see what I'm going through here? Come on, is this like you, your sense of humor or something? Come on, preach. Can't you just let me be in sorrow for a few minutes? And God says, get up. It'll help you. Get up. Get up. And you get up, and you walk out that door, and you go help another human being, and you come back and you say, wow, things seem different. Attitude's different. Spirit's different. My whole mindset is different. What happened? You went out and you helped another human being. God does that so many times to us. And then you know what happens? He ends up solving our problems. Let me talk to you for just a few more moments about diversions, preoccupations. The Bible said, as he was walking toward Jerusalem toward his death, in Luke 18 and 31, he took unto him 12, the 12 disciples, and said unto them, to them, listen to the words now. Behold, look at the words. We go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. Look at the word, we. Don't be distracted by diversions, preoccupations. Come on. It's a we thing. Yes, sir. You can't survive, as I worked in a prison facility for 21 years, thinking you can go in there and do this by yourself. It's a we thing. Yes, sir. It's people working together, networking, networking, helping each other stay safe, keeping the environment at a peaceful atmosphere and environment. So many people are lone rangers. And they think, I can do this by myself. And they get distracted in their thinking. And they get diverted off the course. And before you know it, they're thrown off the railroad track, not knowing where they're going and having no friends. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus did not go alone to the cross. He brought his church with him. And we are not going to go in this world alone to Jerusalem, whatever our Jerusalem might be. Come on. We must not allow our carcasses to be found in the wilderness. Our vision should be similar. One heart, one mind, one accord. Our hands doing and our feet moving toward one common goal. The will of God. Our purpose must be the same. To win people to Christ and to help our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones in the time of need. If we're going to Jerusalem, we must know him and be identified with him. Paul said that I may know him. There's no greater desire in our life than to know Christ. Because I will tell you this, my life changed 45 years ago when Christ found me. I wasn't looking for him. He found me. Amen. And for the last 45 years, I've tried to introduce people to my best friend, whose name is Jesus. The Lord has blessed us by knowing him. Be careful of mistaken thoughts. Luke 19 and 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spoke a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem. And because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. 
Sometimes our thoughts are not God's thoughts. Sometimes our ways are not God's ways. Jeremiah 29 and 11 tells us that God has good thoughts toward us and good plans for our success. But sometimes we get distracted with our own thoughts thinking this is the way to solve it. No, it's not. Get with someone that loves God. Get with someone that has your back. Get with someone that's a friend. And most of all, get with someone that will tell you the truth. Not everybody wanted Christ in those days and not everybody wants Christ today as I close. Jesus wept and so will you. The Bible says this in Luke 19.41 And as they heard these things, he added and spoke a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He came into Gethsemane and Golgotha, the cross, would follow. It's almost the end of his journey. He's about to experience his greatest suffering. And so he will choose to continue that walk to Jerusalem. Persecution, hatred, ostracism will occur in our lives if Jesus tarries. But his greatest hour, even among the persecution, came when he died on the cross and three days later rose from the dead. Our greatest hour will come also. Our greatest moment living for God and living when we're living right now will come. But it will not be without people's hatred, ostracism, and persecution. As we saw in the streets yesterday, when the democratic process took place in America, a fair vote, a man won, and was put upon the Supreme Court. Not everybody liked that decision. Not everybody's going to like that decision. But we must continue our journey to Jerusalem. We must continue to stand tall and stand true to our beliefs for our family, for our children, and for our grandchildren. As I close, I leave this with you. Jesus said this in John 14 and 12. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. This is our moment. This is our time. This is our cause. This is our purpose. This is our destiny. That God wants to work through each and every one of us. To bring comfort to other people, to our families, and to our friends. This is why we were born, to love God, to worship God, and to be a blessing to others. Don't forget the mountaintop experiences that you've enjoyed, but remember, remember them during your moments of despair and desolation. Remember how God brought you through and that he will again take you to that mountaintop. I believe we're at the pinnacle of life and the plateau of living. And I believe the greatest days and months and years are ahead of us. Yes, sir. If we decide to do God's will and be faithful to him and love one another as Christ has loved us. God bless you and thank you for listening.